Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you so much for joining me today in the KYMN studios as we go ahead and celebrate all things creating and share stories together, hoping to tune our imaginations and maybe find some inspiration. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about my childhood. I recently looked at a picture of my first childhood home, the one that I grew up in from, I think, the ages of oh, a year to 11 or 12, I think it was, when we moved away. And it was so fun to see the picture. And it is amazing how you can instantly be transported inside the rooms of a house that you can only see from the outside when you're looking at a picture. And I, I instantly I imagined the yellow and orange linoleum in the kitchen, the wavy yellow gold plastic divider into the living room, the swinging saloon-like shutters in the doorway to the kitchen, the red corded bedspread on the brass bed in Grandpa's room, and the twin beds in the yellow room that my sister and I shared. The thing that I remember of smell that comes to my mind from that house is freshly cut wood from my dad's workshop in the basement. We, there were always saws buzzing and sanders going and hammers hammering. My dad spent hours building stuff for the house. He would craft creature homes for our crickets, snakes, salamanders, and baby bunnies we found in the woods. He built shelves, dog houses, cabinets, shutters, and it seemed to me anything that we could ever need. I so admired his ability to dream, design, draw, and make most anything out of wood. And I often wondered what he would have been able to make if he had more time and a bigger workshop. I've really learned to appreciate well-crafted woodworking from him. And that's why I'm excited to introduce you today to Art, Radi Art Zaney's guest, and my guest today is Justin Hossel. He designs and builds woodwork that is mid-century inspired and focused on simple, clean design. Beauty is found in featuring exposed edges of plywood, contrasting wood tones, and minimalist ideas for maximum effect. You can learn more at Hossel, H-O-S-S-L-E, woodworks.com. And he's here today to talk about the Lakeville Art Festival. Last year, he won Best in Show, and he's going to join us today to share his art story and preview his booth at the 2022 Lakeville Art Festival, which is happening this weekend, Saturday the 17th from 10 to 5, Sunday the 18th from 10 to 4. You can get information on their 
beautiful show at lakevilleartcenterfriends.org forward slash art dash festival. So there's a lot. We'll keep talking about that throughout the show, but I want to turn on the mic and bring my guest, Justin Hassel, into the Art Zany Radio studio. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's a thrill to be able to talk to you. And I do want to encourage our, our, our listeners, unless they're driving, to go to your website and take a peek at some of the pieces that you've created. It's just really amazing what you can do. So I thank you for being here. I wonder if you Absolutely. could start by just letting us know a little bit about how do you describe your work or what, what your, um, you know, what, when people say, what do you do? What do you, how do you respond? You know, um, when I describe is you've already said is which center inspired. Um, I really like to focus on uh, simple designs. I strip back anything extravagant that, that doesn't need to be there. Um, and I, uh, I really go for a simple, well, my tagline, simple, clean, and, uh, and it's, uh, you're right, it's mid-century inspired. There's some Scandinavian elements to it, um, some Danish teak modern style elements. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's really uh, amazing, I think, how you do uh, the edges of your work. So I'd love to, because your materials are not what I expected, looking at the pictures <laughs> and then reading about it. So I, tell us how you achieve that. What's your secret? Yeah. So, you know, I... it really started by accident when I started playing around with woodworking. Um, I found a product that's a Baltic birch plywood, and that just means it's layers of birch, hardwood birch, stacked and glued together. And this was a really cool product because it's 13 layers, and on the outside, it's veneered in solid walnut. So it's it's just a really nice, high-quality look. It gives the edges of the furniture kind of almost a striped look in a way. It, it's hard to describe. Um, you really have to see it to know exactly what it, what it is. But, uh, but yeah, it gives a really nice effect. It's a really solid and structural product because it's not going to move around like a, you know, if you've got any wood furniture in your home that's solid wood, you know that in Minnesota when the weather changes, it might expand or contract and suddenly you've got a crack here or, or, or it doesn't sit level on the floor there. Mm-hmm. So uh, this avoids all of that, which is kind of awesome. And uh, originally when I found the product, I'm like, well, I'll put edging on it so it looks like solid walnut. And then I, as most of the prototype pieces do, they end up in our home. And I <laughs> built one for myself and said, huh, that's kind of cool the way it is. Well, that's and a so product. I, it. I was going to say, that's a product I've never heard of. Because when you say the word plywood, most of us think, uh, you know, the thing you put down for the the floor, exactly. right? It, it, it just as as your layer that, that you're going to build on top of, that you wouldn't make furniture yep. out of it. So it's a deceiving name because if it's made of birch <laughs> and walnut, it, it, so uh, where would where would people find something? It's not something you just go to the lumberyard and get. I don't think. You know, you can you can get Baltic birch from a lot of lumberyards. Though I mean, as the name implies, it's from the Baltic region, which. Uh, in these days, with kind of instability in that area of the world, it's harder to get for sure. Oh, um, yes. A lot of cabinet makers use it, but I get mine, um, ironically, through Home Depot. It's not sold at Home Depot, <laughs> but it's special ordered from a company directly from North Carolina. 
Ah, well, it is it really, I mean, it just does a ma- magnificent stuff. And it, it, I think because of the style of the furniture that you you build, it really kind of plays nicely with that simplicity, but gives it some, um, I, I, I called it movement. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, totally. It, totally. Yeah, it feels um, like it's got a voice. It's got a, a yeah. personality. Mm-hmm. How, how yeah, do you, you know, and, and a lot of a lot of uh, mid-century designers like uh, Charles and Ray Eames. If if you know mid-century design at all, you know they're kind of plywood furniture and chairs, and they use something very similar to what I'm using now. So a lot of it's almost a throwback to an era that's no longer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just really beautiful. And um, I think people need to come to the Lakeville Art Festival to see your booth, one, but they can check the website at, to get inspired to see what you're doing. It just it draws you in. The, those pieces are things that you could have in your home. And, you know, something, you know, one of the things you mentioned is how important it is for you to have things that, that get passed on, right? Things that are going to last. They're not just something you buy as an interim piece. They're the, you know, the pieces that you want to hold on to and cherish for a long time. What are some of the stories your customers have told you about the pieces that they've uh, purchased from you? You know, I've not had any people pass them down yet. I'm rather new in business. I <laughs> established my business in 2018, so hopefully no one's passing them down uh, but, there might be uh, some cool dorm you know, rooms. <laughs> you know, funnily enough, uh, there was um, someone who runs another um, another one of the uh, art fairs. His son uh, bought one for his dorm room, a queen-size bed, in fact, oh. which I was impressed with. Yeah, I'm thinking of a dorm room. And the, the ones that I was in never had room for a queen-size bed, so exactly. that must be spectacular. Exactly. headboard, everything. Wow, that's going to be the coolest room. Absolutely. Tell us a little about your memories about the Lakeville Art Festival. I know that I mentioned last year uh, you were best in show, which is a very exciting honor. And so you've been doing that show for a few years now. What, What are some of your favorite stories from your time at the Lakeville Art Festival? You know, I think it, there's a couple things from a, from kind of a, customer patron perspective it is so nicely laid out Mm -hmm. and it's very um casual isn't the right word but it's just very easy to get around it's you know in a there's a lot of shade there's a lot of amenities um so from a customer perspective it's just kind of great you don't you don't have to walk a mile and a half to see all the booths which is fantastic from an artist perspective the thing that always comes to mind when I think about Lakeville is just uh, the way that Sarah and her staff treat the artists. It's uh, second to none, really. They, uh, they're the best. They're the best at it. I mean, yep. they, they feed us. They, they're at the booth as soon as we need some help. Um, they're just really fantastic. It's a very welcoming atmosphere from both you can and you get that sense when you're a guest there that the artists are just beloved there and that yeah. that really does feel nice. We should give a huge shout out Sarah Stowell. She's been 
a great supporter of Arts Annie Radio. Every year we do a little uh, promo for the Lakeville Art Festival. She's the festival director and just an extraordinary human being. And I'm just so excited uh, for her for this year. It's going to be the 19th annual uh, Lakeville Art Festival, which is just astounding to me that it's been that that many years. And this year they are expecting over 100 juried artists. So they're back to full capacity after a couple of all all the years we've all been through with strange strange COVID years. And so it feels like it's back to its full capacity. And like you mentioned, it's a the grounds are flat. You know, there's no hills. It's in a semi-circle. It's very easy to move about uh, and very easy to see everything. There's just so much to do. Um, and one of the things they also do is support emerging artists. And there are going to be seven this year who are showing their work for the very first time. And that's a really big deal. And I think the thing that uh, the Lakeville Art Festival does is gives those artist exposure to other artists who they can ask questions and see how they operate their booth. And I think the Lakeville Art Festival helps them with, you know, getting their tent set up and gives, you know, has people help them decide about how to display. There's so many things that go into being in a festival. What what are some of the things that um, you've learned about the business of art through doing some of these shows? Well, I, I I think the first thing I've learned is that art is definitely a business. Uh, it, you know, it, it I, I look back and think, I don't have an art degree or a business degree, and I look back and think, man, what would be most useful? Probably the business degree, mm. uh, because it's it's uh, it's really necessary to know that end of it between marketing and pricing and all those things. And and preparing for festivals is a unique experience because you're you're limited in what you can show people uh you know i i I get a 10 by 10 space that's got white vinyl walls so it's not the most aesthetically pleasing you know just to walk in so so i really learned over a few years that my booth in particular being a, a furniture and home goods booth i had to make it look like a home um just having things on the wall or sacked or in in um um, I don't even know what it's called, but what the photographers used to rifle through their work, it just wasn't going to work for oh, me. Bins, yeah. So now, now I've got a living room. I've got lighting and rugs and plants, and and it, you know, you walk in and you, a lot of kids come in and say, "Oh, this is a house." I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's it's such a good thing. You do have to figure out how to make use of that space to make it inviting, but also to showcase your work. And what a great way for you to do that because it's it's you know your your pieces are slightly different. It's it's not as easy to take home a credenza from an art show. <laughs> and so only only a few people have ever asked to do that, and I've sadly had to turn them down. <laughs> right, because all of your pieces are you know custom crafted, but you do. Have have some I do want to draw attention to people that you have some really magnificent uh wall decor I guess and and little I, I describe some of your your extra pieces that you have that are sort of a smaller invitation to take home some of your woodworking yeah well you know when I started doing art fairs I realized kind of early on that I needed to have things at all price points because as you mentioned most people don't come to an art fair for a lovely afternoon of browsing art and think, well, I'm going to spend three grand on a credential right. today. It's just not in the cards for most people, and I get that. 
So I, I realized I needed to have something at every price point. So my most affordable item is my holiday ornaments. Those are 10 bucks each. And then I've got home goods that go up to $400 for a really nice hexagon wall shelf unit. And, you know, then there's the furniture on the higher end. But we've got all sorts of things. We've got cribbage boards, our favorite. Um, I mentioned the ornaments already. Um, and then some sculptural animal pieces. I've got a few different birds that I offer using the same uh, plywood that I use on the furniture. So some birds and some elephants. Yeah, I think those are, especially those birds, are really uh, captivating because, again, you keep with that same principle that you have, you know, simple, elegant, you know, mid-century vibe, and they, uh, just the shape of them alone, just the design is very, very appealing. I can just see how they would light up a room and uh, really impressive, uh, just even that small little, little joy. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've always been, sure, like I said, been attracted to mid-century design and minimalism. So when I'm designing the pieces, the birds or the elephants, it's really about stripping away anything that isn't absolutely necessary to get the idea across. So, you know, I, I have a heron and I know very little about birds, so I'm probably going to really upset some bird lovers out here. But I, I know the heron or the crane has something coming off of its head um, like a feather or something. I'm really showing my cards here, but, uh, but I took that away. And so I've had a few people say, well, you know, it should have this or it should have that. But for me, it's just about, you know, a silhouette, a very basic silhouette and really pulling back things as simply as possible. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's really wonderful. And I have to say, I'm a, a giant fan of the hexagon shape. I had a planner a couple <laughs> years ago that the whole thing was based on the idea of hexagons. And it's just a very satisfying shape. It's, it's uh, something, you know, it just really lends itself to creating order and simplicity, but elegance. It's, it's so, I, your shelves are very appealing. And th those are, uh, I would imagine, a favorite as well. They are, yeah. And, you know, if people come out on Saturday for the festival and decide they want to get those, I usually can drive them back the next day and have them right there for them. So it's a little bit of a incentive to come the first day of the festival, I think. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, so you can place your order and then come pick it up the next day? Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. And, folks, we are here on Art Sany Radio. I'm talking with Joss Justin Hossel at HosselWoodworks.com. You should definitely check that out. He's going to be at the Lakeville Art Festival this weekend. It is just a glorious festival, and it's uh, happening Saturday from 10 to 5, Sunday from 10 to 4. That's September 17th and 18th. It's just those two days, so you'll want to make sure and add that to your calendar. Even if you've got other things planned, you need to rearrange that to make sure you make time to go. I just really adore this festival. One of the things they do is a, a community art project, and this year it's going to be a sailboat sculpture. And so they're going to ask people to help them finish it by painting sections of it. And then that's going to be put in Pioneer Park in Lakeville. So 
I think that's a really fun, especially my ki- I know my kids have participated in several of those and, you know, can say I painted that part of the moose or I can't remember some of the other sculptures that they did, but there are definitely great memories that are created for that. And if you've got a young one there, or even if you're young at heart, there's a youth art tent that is just, you know, if you're looking for some way to feel inspired or, you know, kind of shake up those uh, you want to get back to that world of play or you're a little jealous of what your kids are doing in art class, this is a tent full of supplies. Uh, Ryan is going to be there again. And they, they have these giant easels. Kids can, you know, play the artist, be the artist, make something that they just imagine. And they I love because they often hang the wet paintings in the trees while you while you go around and look at the rest of the festival. So it makes for its own display of just exuberance and creativity and the joy of imagination so uh, go there they also have lots of other little things that you can build I think my kids one year built uh, wind chimes out of CDs and beads and it was just something delightful uh, so it's it's a fun experience for all so there's a lot happening and that's just the beginning of, of it but I do want to go back to your beginnings and hear a little bit from you, Justin, about how you got started in woodworking, because your story is kind of a unique, unique story. I'd, I'd love for our listeners to be able to share uh, and hear from you a little bit about that. Well, thanks. Yeah, uh, it is a unique story. Uh, I feel like in a lot of ways, I just kind of fell into it or tripped into woodworking. Uh, <laughs> As, as a child, I, I mean, I did love Legos and building, things like that. Um, Legos, and I built a lot of forts in our straw barn, so I would take bales of straw and build them up into structures and tunnels. And then I kind of, I switched directions, and I, by, oh, by the time I was 10 or 11, I was, I was fully immersed in theater, live theater. And I started out as an actor, and I actually left, uh, after high school, went and got a degree as an actor. And halfway through that, I realized, no, I don't want to be an actor. I want to be a stage manager because I think I, maybe I was getting back to my roots a little and wanting to build again. And and even though I wasn't physically building as a stage manager, I was really managing and organizing and helping to craft pieces. Mm. And so I spent a lot of years as a stage manager um, my last 12 years in the business was at the Guthrie Theater, uh, where I met my wife, who was also a stage manager there. And so I was working there, and then we bought a house, and I tinkered with, you know, this and that, and I could put a little shelf here, no problem. And at some point, I got it in my head that I could make myself a coffee table. Hmm. And I found a YouTube video of a guy making a mid-century styled coffee table. And so I thought, okay, I could get a I can get a miter saw and a table saw and learn how to use these. And I just started playing, and uh, that happened. I built the coffee table. It was fine. It wasn't great. <laughs> Functional. And then I was working on a production at the Guthrie, and my assistant next to me was shopping for a coffee table. And I said, oh, I could build you one. No big deal. And he said, well, I'd pay you. And I'm, oh, no, no, you don't need to pay me. That's silly. But then kind of, you know, I always say, like, it went from a snowflake to a snowball, like the snowflake fell. And then I thought, well, I should have a brand or a logo if I'm going to make him a coffee table that I can put on the bottom. And then that started rolling, rolling, rolling. And within a year and a half, I had established the business. And then a year later, I left my job as a stage manager and took on 
the furniture making full time. Wow, that's a big fast transition. It just happened, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I look back now and say, oh wow, that that's happened and it's still happening and I'm still growing and I'm in some ways not in charge of it. It's just doing its thing. I wonder that that makes sense when you talk about the way you wanted to stage your tent then that you had that experience of creating, you know, uh, things that would invite people to, you know, imagine a real place or see something. But how else has, I think that's a really fascinating detail. How else has the theater affected you know your uh, design or the way you approach your business or how you work with customers. I would think that's really great training, but one that people don't often think of as a, a launching point for a career. Absolutely. You know, I mean, in theater, I've I've learned to adapt to a lot of unique personalities hmm. and types of people. I'll leave that at that. Uh, and uh, so that's really great in just day to day interactions with customers and handling different requests, um, and certainly for customizing things. And it's, it's also helped out just in, as a stage manager, my whole job was organizing. And so I was in spreadsheets and documents all day long. Mm. And so keeping my business organized is really a, a one-person setup here. Having that experience of knowing how to work through a spreadsheet or accounting software has really been uh, beneficial to me. Yeah, a lot of artists and then don't I think start just, with just that. Working with designers for so long in the theater where they, you know, watching them dress the set and craft the set, it helped give me an eye for something that was aesthetic or maybe not as aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, you were able to sort of hone those skills when you weren't even realizing that's what you were doing and that's where your world was going to turn to. And and you talk about that aesthetic, and I, I'm curious how you developed that because it, it feels like there's a, you know, if, if you look across all the different pieces, there there is a consistency to what you're doing. So somewhere within you, there's there's a, uh, you know, a way that you've, you've said, this is it, this is you know, me coming through in the, in the furniture. How, how do you think that developed? And were there people along the way that helped to teach you some of that or helped you to, you know, learn your woodworking skills? Well, I, I, I wish I could say there was a whole slew of teachers that helped me out. Um, <laughs> I think my biggest help in at least looking at things aesthetically has been my wife, who I send pictures to as I build and say, is this right? Does this look good? And she's like, no, maybe take an inch off here. Oh. Um, but it's, it's, she's been a great help in just confirming or um, rejecting my thoughts. You know? <laughs> she's, she's very good at saying, no, that, that one doesn't look right. You but, mentioned, uh, mentioned she was in the theater, I mean, too. What was her job? She was also a stage manager. Uh, we met on a show, oh, gosh, how long ago was that now? 15, 20 years ago. I was her assistant on a show, and we became fast friends and... Blah, blah, blah. Now we're married with a kid. <laughs> well, you thought it was one lucky encounter, I would say. <laughs> I tell you what, yeah. But no, I mean, the aesthetic, a lot of it just comes from feeling. And, you know, the, I think about designers who, the golden ratios and all sorts of design rules. And in many ways in my life, I'm a big rule follower, but I guess in this way I'm not. As far as how I craft it, the techniques I use... And aesthetically, what I find pleasing, I just wing it. And knock on wood, which there's plenty around me, uh, you know, it's worked <laughs> so far. Yeah, well, it, it, the, 
you know, it, it comes through. It shines through, and it's quite spectacular. And so I really hope uh, Justin Hassel Furniture from your website, hasselwoodworks.com, gets to be something that people recognize and look and say, that's a that's a Justin Hassel piece. <laughs> because it, it has that. I hope so. Yeah, it has that, that feeling. And we should, one thing I'm really excited to talk to you about is the workshop space that you have now. Uh, you have a, a really beautiful studio. We get a, a glimpse of that in your uh, website. And that had to be a big adventure to moving from, I would imagine you started working out of your basement at home and deciding to move into a studio. Tell us about that process and what your studio looks like now. Exactly. Yeah, I started out in uh, my basement and my garage. My basement had, I don't know, Maybe it was eight foot by sixteen foot of space, That's tiny. and then the garage had a place where I could put the table saw, and that was great until December, and then I hated it. <laughs> uh, you know, I some days I'm not meant to be in Minnesota because the winter doesn't agree with me. But mm-hmm. uh, but then I found a space. I I live in Northeast Minneapolis, which is kind of the heart of the arts in the Twin Cities. Uh, it's the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District here. And I found a space about 400 square feet. It was down a flight of stairs, and I could barely fit a sheet of plywood in, but it worked, and I made it for a year. And then I got to talking with one of the owners of uh, one of the art buildings here in Northeast, and her name's Jennifer Young. She owns the California building and the Casket Arts building, two, mm-hmm. like, um, two iconic places. Really iconic places in the in the arts district. And she said, oh, I have this space that's, 2,000 square feet, and I'm holding it back for for someone I know and someone I that's you know special. And I said, "Ooh, I hope I'm special. Can I come see it?" <laughs> so she let me see it, and it's just it's really transformed my business. I've got a huge work floor. Uh, my company vehicle can sit inside, so I can unload materials, load them up. I've got a finishing room and a 300 square foot showroom, and it's really, you know, it's really uh, taken me to another level just as far as what I can do and can fit in the room. What were some of the first tools once you get that big space that you decided, I got to I gotta get this? Well, the first tool was replacing my old table saw with kind of a really high-quality one that keeps me safe. Mm-hmm. It's called a saw stop. And some, some of your listeners may have seen it before, but it's a tool that it can sense if, if skin or uh, a finger touches the blade. And there's a mechanism inside that pulls the blade down within like a nanosecond and keeps you from losing fingers. So when I had the big space, I said, this is the first thing I have to do. I have to invest in, you know, my livelihood, my fingers. I had not heard of this technology. This is extraordinary. It's pretty amazing. And if you, you know, you go to SawStop online, hopefully they'll send me a nice little commission check here. Uh, (laughs) They have... They they demo it with a hot dog, so they run the hot dog through, and there's not a scratch on the hot dog. It just pulls it right away. What a great example! I was that would be a little scary to say. Could you be my subject and test this yeah. out? Yeah. But that, how do we demo this one? Yeah. <laughs> 
And, and so that is, I, I guess I'm thinking of my dad, you know, he was always so careful with it. But just just to imagine that, that you can eliminate, I mean, you, you still have to follow all the safety protocols, I assume, but it just put, gives you a sense of ease in your space, right? You can be Absolutely. confident. Cause there, you know, there and, that's, things... and that's the machine that I'm on, you know, much of the time. So knowing that I can be there and just... Not that I'm certainly not, like you said, still being careful, but I I feel a little more confident in knowing that after a long day, when sometimes your mind does wander, I'm a little safer. Yeah. And uh, folks, one of the things that's also great about the Lakeville Art Festival is that you can spend the whole day there. And I... I, you know, you, you, so you should plan. You can come both days. It is, I should mention, I don't think I told this, said this before, but it's free of charge and parking is also free. So there's really no reason to not go. And there's plenty of parking around the uh, Lakeville Art Center. And even, I think they even have a, a drop off spot for folks that maybe want to, you know, drop someone who might be have a little harder time walking but there's plenty of parking around that area and they also have a, a fun food court that has everything from wood-fired pizza asian food hispanic food barbecue cheesesteak ice cream kettle corn lemonade handmade chocolates cookies you never know what you're going to find there and in addition there's a stage there so they've got some musicians this year there's going to be a roaming musician uh i guess i i don't think i've met Paul Imholt. Uh, the name sounds really familiar, though, so some of you may know him out there. Um, and so that's that's kind of a nice a, atmospheric addition to, to the space. And uh, so folks can, you know, sp- spend lots of time. There's a little playground there. That's what my kids used to like to do. <laughs> we take shifts. You, you hang out at the playground with the kids. I'm going to go do a tour. Then we trade and come back. So it's really... A uh, family-friendly event as well. I think that's that's a nice thing about it. Uh, and I imagine, do you have a favorite uh, food vendor you can recommend to folks? I always go for that wood-fired pizza. But, you know, I'm not a good person to ask. I'm vegetarian, so I'm a little bit limited. So <laughs> I'm sure there's amazing things there other than that, though. Right. And it is. It's. I think they do have the perfect setup for a fair. If everyone could be like that, I think there'd be more of them around uh, because they do, they do such a good job. Yeah. And I, I would tell people, don't let uh, some sprinkles or some rain showers stop them because, you know, most of the tents are covered. So you can go from tent to tent, even if it's sprinkling out. Yes. And as you mentioned, they have the trees on that uh, you know, property are just those spectacular themselves and they provide a lot of shade and protection from those light sprinkles, which is, is kind of nice. And that, that brings me to the question about your workshop because you um, advocate that being green is important to you. So tell us how you achieve that in a woodworking business. You know, it's definitely hard because I definitely consume a lot of materials and goods. There are some things I can avoid and some things I can't. But uh, the product I work with, the uh, plywood product that we've talked about, the Baltic birch uh, veneered panels, they're made in a really green way, and the company is just fantastic. It's a soy-based glue, so so in the in a plywood, typically you find formaldehyde mm. glues, and this is all soy-based, really really safe on me, safe on uh, the the customer eventually, and it's void-free, which means that. 
in the individual sheets, there's not a lot of places where there were knots that are going to make it a weaker plywood. So it's really strong, um, sustainable in that way. And I use natural finishes, um, as natural as they can be. I use pure tongue oils and linseed oils. And I'm just not big into a lot of sprays and things that kind of, you know, aren't good for me short or long term and aren't good for the planet. Mm-hmm. And then the the big thing I do is that I have partnered with a company called One Tree Planted. Um, I wish I could tell you exactly where they're based in the U.S., but it's mostly online, so I can't tell you offhand. But I, I give a donation to them, and I donate the equivalent of one tree for every product I sell. So if you come and you buy five ornaments from me, you end up planting five trees. And I do a, do a, a monetary donation to them once a year based on my sales. And then wherever in the world the need is greatest at the time, often it's um, replanting after wildfires, things like that, or um, the logging companies will come through, and they plant new trees. So I'm trying to uh, replenish what I take as much as I can. I think that's a, a really, you, you've really thought this out, and I think it's a great approach. I didn't even realize that you, you know, things, some of these things existed. The soy boy, soy based glue is something new, but you found that it has no uh, other, you know, it still has all the properties you'd want in, in gluing and keeping things together. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really strong glue. And, you know, just knowing that, that, and I even going back further than me to the people in the the plants who are making these materials that they're you know a little bit safer on the end, and it's all the plywood's all LEED certified. It can be used in green building uh, ventures, so it it's really a product that I feel proud to use. And I've developed a great relationship with the company, uh, and uh, I don't know, I, I lucked out on that one for sure. Yeah, and so, okay, so let's talk about what, here's what's coming to my mind. You use plywood sheets, but then you look at the pieces that you have, and there are a lot of curves and some really gorgeous curves. I got to ask, because that is not something that you think plywood can do. (laughs) So are you willing to share a little of how you get some of those? I'm thinking especially of some of those ends on the the coffee tables and the side tables and the, you know, just... uh, you know, I, that's astounding to me. So you do tell. <laughs> yeah. So I have two pieces that I, I uh, cut almost through the whole way, and then I'm able to bend it. It's hard to describe, I think. Definitely come out to my booth because I've got a little sample of it and can show people. But imagine a sheet of plywood going through a table saw and the, the table saw, you know, cutting through it the whole way. Mm-hmm. Well, if I lower the blade ever so slightly, and I'm talking – oh, I don't know, a sixteenth of an inch, a thirty-second of an inch, below the height of the plywood, then I'm left with kind of a skin on top. It's really where the walnut veneer is and maybe a little bit more. And then it actually can bend. The the veneer is thin enough that I can bend it and create these curves. Um, And the curves kind of ended up having these slits going through. When you look from the front of the piece, I'm looking at the end table right now. When you look from the front, it has these almost triangular slits going through it. Um, it's called a kerf cut. The kerf means the width of the blade. So it's kerf cutting these up to the final veneer, and then I bend it to shape. Wow. And so I fill that in, then I fill that in with a mixture of walnut sawdust and glue, which gives it almost a striped effect. And when you look at the piece, you can 
kind of see how the sausage is made in a way. <laughs> you can look at the piece and say, oh, you know, I see. But there was an old line in theater that we would say, if you can't hide it, feature it. Ooh. Now, I, I could have hidden this, but I thought this is more fun to feature it. It it just is kind of like a magic tri- trick, I think. <laughs> it really looks well, beautiful. Well, that's why I've got the sample at the booth, because uh, people come in and say, how did this happen? And then I show them, and they say, ooh, it's like magic. <laughs> exactly. And if I'm remembering correctly, um, you have kind of a, a book, that, an inspiration book, that people can look through to see uh, some of the, the pieces you know, that you make, because you, know, you can't have everything that you make in that booth. Exactly. Yeah, what I've got right now is just in the past few months, I've released a collection of pieces. So I still do some custom work, but I call it my Eos collection, E-O-S. Eos was the Greek goddess of dawn. And so this was my first collection. So I thought, well, it's it's like the morning. It's It's like dawn. So I've got a catalog or a book that's got all the pieces of that collection in it. And then I'll have a couple copies at the art fair of a catalog I've just put out. Um, mostly geared towards interior designers of the same collection of pieces. And I think there's 15 furniture pieces in the collection. And do you do things for all kinds of different rooms in the house, right? You can... Yeah, we've got, let's see, you know, we've got beds and nightstands and dressers and end tables, coffee tables, desks, what else? Consoles, sideboards, kind of... Kind of run it spanning again there. I don't do chairs, so if you're if you're wanting a chair, I I'm, I'll be a big disappointment. <laughs> uh, I've got vanities, uh, just all sorts of kind of room by room pieces. Yeah, and it is just uh, something I, you know. I'm always trying to figure out you know what do I need or how can I fit something in. And when you see those beautiful pieces, you you instantly want some of those in your space too. <laughs> uh, they're just really beautiful. I I love that mid century vibe and the elegance and simplicity and the craftsmanship that comes through is just. It's clear that you uh, love what you do. You know that that comes through. Well, thanks. That's certainly true. Yeah, I do. I do. I feel really blessed to have found a found a a, a niche that works for me and that I was able to transition into. And it's just, you know, we all have our days, but most days I come in and I, when I look at the clock and it says four o'clock, I say, oh, already. <laughs> That's a good sign. It Ta- is. Hopefully, it's hopefully it lasts. It would tell us a little about um, what is in your workshop now or what people, you know, if they sometimes there are open studio tours or times up at, in those Northeast uh, artist lofts and spaces. Uh, what what, yeah, what so might they see open. if they were able to see, see inside your studio? Yeah, so we're o- usually open the second Saturday of every month for um, what they call second Saturdays. It's, a, it's an inventive name, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> but it's second Saturdays of every month from 11 to 4. Um, and then in the spring, many of you may have heard of Art of World. That's the big northeast Minneapolis uh, open studio thing. And then we have a fall one as well coming up in November that our building called California Dreaming uh, because we're the California building. Mm-hmm. And so that's three days of open studios right before the holiday season. And right now in my studio, let's see, I've got, I've got a client who was very kind to me and purchased an end table and a bathroom mirror and vanity and a radiator cover and a media console. So 
two of those are in the finishing room ready to get oiled up and two of those I'll probably get uh get them finished up today and into the finishing room as well so I see uh the bottom of a vanity and the bottom of a console now and hopefully there will be more in a few hours right and so people would get to see you said you have a a space where, like a showroom, so people can maybe you know get ideas of how to use your pieces or look at at ways that that your pieces have been incorporated into spaces. Exactly. Yeah. Everything that's in my collection, if it's not with me at the art fair, it's in the showroom. So uh, the idea is that you know as I as I expand the collection, even I always want to have one kind of display model available. So. If someone comes out this weekend and says, oh, I love that desk, and but I don't have it with me, I always invite them back and they can take a look at it in person. Right. That's an important thing. Sometimes just being able to, you know, lay your hands and see what the finish feels like or look at those edges that you've created, which is such a <laughs> great signature. I, 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 you know, can't wait to see them again and see how you do that. So... You know, and it, and it helps that, like you had mentioned, I do have kind of a consistent theme through my pieces. They all have a similar aesthetic. So even if you, you know, don't want to come to Minneapolis and see the sideboard, you can look at another piece in my booth and really get a feel for what it's going to be like. And it's important to me as I as I design my collection and future pieces, they, I, all, I always feel like they have to fit, they have to be on brand for me. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get a lot of really interesting suggestions of different things to build. But at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I have to go back to, well, first of all, how how my, how I can manufacture it ec- economically and sell it at a good price. But also, does this fit the collection? Does this fit the look of the other pieces? That's so absolutely it, true, and you it gotta, shows. You've got to keep it all uh, cohesive. And so, oh, I guess I didn't ask if you have a specific uh, booth location that you want to promote, so people know where to find you at the Lakeville Art Festival. So I don't know how to describe. I'm on the opposite side of the of the um, complex there from the food, and I'm under a tree. I think I'm booth 99, if I remember correctly. Okay. Well, I do know they they do give away maps, and there's a beautiful yeah. information booth right as you walk up the front entrance, so you can see see that. And there are uh, they usually have uh, volunteers working in a. I don't know what their color T-shirt is going to be this year. But they usually have something that makes them very recognizable. So lots of people will be able to help. I I hope that many of the uh, folks listening will make time for the Lakeville Art Festival. It is really one of my favorites. I make sure and make time for it. It is Saturday, September 17th from 10 to 5 and Sunday, September 18th from 10 to 4. And they do have, I think, some of the best volunteers I know we have a great volunteer spirit here in Northfield, but uh, there's something special in, in, in this particular festival. And I want to send another shout out to Sarah Stowell, who is the festival director, who just does an extraordinary job to uh, bring everybody together. It takes a lot of community support and sponsorship and um, just a whole lot of um, coming together to make something like this happen. So I'm, I'm sure you're excited to be there this weekend. Yes, Always, always excited to go to Lakeville. And, you know, like I'd mentioned, they're just, they're so good to the artists. It feels like going on a vacation in some ways. (laughs) Wow, that's a great compliment. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, I better be careful. I mean, now it's going to be stormy and everything. So <laughs> no, 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 it won't. <laughs> I've really set myself up. <laughs> well, I think it feels like a great vacation and inspiration, right? I walk around going, oh, my gosh, this is so beautiful. I want that and that and that and that. And so it can be a little dangerous. You know, exactly. And it's, and it's such a manageable size event. Um, you know, I mean, there are so many great art fairs in the Twin Cities. Some are very, very large, and you just... You can get a sense if, if you're the type of person who wants to see everything and get a little overwhelmed. But here it's such a perfect size. You can see everything, you know, in a full day or come back for a second day. But it's just a really great atmosphere. Yes, and so I hope many of you will uh, let Justin know that you heard about his work on Arts a Radio. Hassel Woodworks is the name of his uh, group, com. You can get more pictures and information, but I recommend you visit his booth. Thank you so much for being a part of Arts Any Radio today. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. We'll see you at the Lakeville Art Festival. Great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Folks, this is Art Zany Radio for the imagination, and I thank you for listening and for being a part of this show. And uh, really, I'm excited for all things coming up. It feels like we're going back into a little space where things are moving in the direction of, of returning to what we used to love and enjoy, and that makes life great. So take part in all the things that you love, and of course, add some Art Zany to your life. And if you um, make sure that you do that, you always find time to enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. The 2022 Studio Art Tour is coming up. Join us Saturday and Sunday, October 1st and 2nd, starting at 10 a.m. Featured local artists open their studios to show you how they create their ceramics, painting, jewelry, textiles, glass, metal, and wood artistry. The Studio Art Tour region includes artisans from Farmington, Northfield, Nearstrand, and Faribault. Some of the studios open Friday from 4 to 8. Then all will be open Saturday 10 to 6 and Sunday 10 to 5. See their website, studioarttour.com, for details. Shumway 